Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of worship. And we pray now that by your Holy Spirit, you would take the Word of God and make it alive in our uh, application, understanding. So come, Holy Spirit. Uh, thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. The study of boredom is a issue that's becoming more and more talked about in university settings. And it is appropriate that we do so because a 2010 study found that boredom-prone people are more than twice as likely to die of heart disease and that they're, than their more engaged brethren. It leads to distress, discouragement, and a malaise in life. So there is a neuroscientist in Canada who's done this exhaustive study and he recruited college students, and they had to do certain things time after time, like draw a circle to see if they're bored. He showed various film clips uh, to see what would make them most bored, and they showed a man mowing a yard, and they really thought that was pretty interesting. Finally, he photographed his family hanging out clothes for four minutes, and he showed that time after time after time, and that did the trick. They became very bored. This, this article says this, that mobile devices offer entertainment with a single touch, but researchers speculate that that may leave us feeling or even more bored when we're not able to be plugged in. Boredom is a huge issue. People are just bored. And the term bored to death is true. It does. You get bored to death. I read that and I thought, I should never be true of people of God. We should never be bored. Because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. We just, and here it's saying a hymn, and it says this, There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known. And clouds arise and tempests blow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care, and everywhere that we can see be thou, Lord, you are present. There, every, every plant or flower below makes your glories known. I take that by faith when it comes to the gum tree. We've got a gum tree, and it drops more gumballs, 2,000 every, every month, and I have to rake them up. You think about it. I even pulled up an article this year. I was just reading about the ear. The ear. How we receive sound waves and how all the... It's, I just thought, good grief. Isn't it glorious? But even more so should be said of us because we understand that we've been called of God for a purpose in life. In this book, 1 Peter, we've been walking through and looking at, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, to declare the praises of God. Purpose, dignity, integrity, integration. Last week we had our global impact conference and somebody asked me, you know, what's the purpose of the global impact conference? And I thought, well, it, 
the, the purpose is to, to always hold before our eyes the fact that we are disciples of Christ and we're to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we say that frequently, but let's, let's just take one weekend especially and say this is who we are. Jesus says in Matthew 28, all authority is given to me on heaven and earth. Go you therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded unto you, and I am with you to the end of the age. We, we are people who live with a grand purpose. Boredom should not be in our vocabulary. Purpose should be. Pursuit should be. Impacting should be. This is who we are. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. If you're a Christ follower, that's who you are. So that you may declare the praises by the way you live, by the way you exist, by the way you, you do the stewardship of everything you have under the banner of Christ. In, in, in Nepal, people are being taken back into China and put in prison. They're called Tibetans. They're trying to flee from China. And the Nepalese government is participating with the Chinese government. It's a terrible human rights violation. Since February of 2009, 99 Tibetans have burned themselves alive in protest to what the Chinese are doing to their, their people in Tibet. 99 people. And one of the leaders said this in a recent interview. He said, our life depends on this struggle, the Tibetan struggle. The struggle makes sense of our lives. Well, that's, that's a strong statement. The struggle makes sense of our lives. As Christ followers, we say the reality of Christ, who's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light, the eternal God who became a man, the reality of Christ to declare his praises is that which gives cohesion and makes sense out of our lives. I read an article recently about a former president, and quite frankly, he's my favorite president, I think, of all time, in case you ever ask, along with Calvin Coolidge and George Washington and Teddy Roosevelt, a little bit low there, but those are the guys. The guy's name is Ronald Reagan. An article said, but the most striking thing about Reagan as a political leader was his integrated worldview. I went, Whoa. And his determination to advance it on a broad range of policy fronts. And whether you like Reagan or not, that's not. But the issue is integrated worldview. Everything is lived out under a, a supreme purpose. That's an integrated worldview. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. As Abraham Kuyper said, the Dutch theologian the 19th century, there is not a square inch of the entire creation about which Jesus Christ does not cry, this is mine, this belongs to me. You see, that's an integrated worldview. And if you're a Christ follower, that's who you are. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, to, to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, so I want to this morning discuss this issue. How do, you, how do you live as a called out person? 
How do you live in this fashion? We're going to go just to the first couple of verses, the first verse and a half of, of this book, First Peter. So just listen. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles, scattered throughout Asia Minor and Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So, 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 so Peter says, I'm, I'm writing to you, church, all over Asia Minor, you are elect exiles scattered all over Asia Minor, Pontus, Galatia, Bithynia, Cappadocia. You're, 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 you're scattered. The church is scattered everywhere. But, but, but the, the, the statement, this, the kind of the, the overarching statement is elect exiles. Elect exiles. Elect means God has worked in your heart. God has drawn you to himself. God loves you with an everlasting love. Exiles or pilgrims is another way to translate this verse. We, we are people that, that belong to God. And this is not the ultimate home for us. Heaven awaits. Elect exiles. See, we've got to get that into our mind. God has chosen me for a purpose, and I'm in exile. He uses the same concept in chapter 2, verse 11, where he says, he says I, I, I plead with you, I beseech you as, as strangers and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh that wage war against your soul. So I, I just plead with you. He says, I remind you, I remind you that you are strangers and you are exiles here. That, that, that this reality is not the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality is the eternity that awaits. And we live, we live not for that which we can only touch and taste and see. But, but we are elect strangers in the earth. Therefore, we travel as stewards of God's grace. In Luke 21, the Lord is talking about, be careful that day will come upon you unexpectedly. And he says this, he says, but watch lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times. It's interesting. I go through hearts weighed down with, with dissipation, which means riotous living, and drunkenness. I say, yeah, okay, yeah. Got check, check. We've got to understand that. And he says this, and the cares of life. And I just step back and I go, you know, do I travel lightly as unto the Lord? Do, do I understand that too much and too many concerns and too many hobbies and too many whatever can just weigh my life down and make me ineffective and unaware and Am I living as a stranger in an exile? There's a man who wrote a book a few months ago. His last name is De Botton, and he was, it's called A God for Atheist. 
It's an interesting book. I've read some of the book reviews. And, and he says in this book, he, he says this, he says that the, the key to happiness is pessimism. Okay? Because the gap between aspirations and reality will kill you. He says, this will kill you unless you reduce your worldly aspirations, he says, as Christians do. <laughs> he says, Christians are cheerful pessimists because they're optimistic about the future. It's interesting. So that unless you reduce your aspirations to reality, you're going to be incredibly frustrated. So, 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 so the key, he says, tongue-in-cheek, to happiness is pessimism. So look at Christians. They are very careful to say that eternity awaits. The best is yet to be. And he would say that we're just fallacious dreamers. What does Peter say? See, Peter's, Peter writes this book to the church in persecution. One of the themes of 1 Peter is the church in persecution. We'll see that in two weeks. But, but listen to these verses. 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And then he says in verse 7, so he said, so the, the genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the coming of Christ, the hope of heaven. Verse 13, prepare your man, minds for action. Be sober-minded, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Verse 13, but, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And then chapter 5, verse 4, and when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. He says that the best is yet to be. So we are, we are elect exiles. We are strangers and exiles. We, we, we are one version says, we are aliens. <laughs> this is who we are. And, and as that banner of elect exiles permeates our mind, he says several things, two we're going to look at this morning. Number one, he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. He says, according to, to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God has worked in your heart. Romans 8 says this, that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God worked in your heart. See, my faith is a response to the initiative of God's spirit working in my heart. We are, we are God's people because of the, the, the foreknowledge of God the Father that he's richly lavished upon us and given to us. It's the foreknowledge of God the Father, of our Abba Father, which is privilege and calling and joy. Now the Bible says that as many as received him in John 1, to those who called upon his name became children of God. Children born not of a father's will or a human decision, but children born of God. 
Romans 8. Just think about this. Romans 8 says that we have not received a spirit of fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. Listen. You do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. As sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Galatians 4 says, when the time has fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of son. Let me ask you this. Do you make much of your adoption through the cross of Jesus? Do you make much of your adoption into the, into the bosom of the Trinity? Do, do you make much of your adoption? Do you cry out frequently, Abba, Father? Abba, Father. Dear Father, do you see that? Do you glory in that? Peter says you, you, you are who you are by the, by the foreknowledge of God the Father. Do, do you glory in God the Father. There's a man named John Murray who wrote a wonderful book called Redemption Accomplished and Applied. And he's got a chapter on adoption that's the best thing I've ever read on adoption in the family of God. And I've read books on it, but this is the be- that little chapter just does it all for me. And Murray says this. He says, adoption is the apex of privilege. So you can't get better than adoption through the work of Christ. He says, calling ushers us into the presence of God and God works in our hearts. Regeneration or being born again makes us understand or helps us become his child. Justification where when you're, you're declared righteous in his sight accords acceptance with God. Sanctification which is being made holy in heart and conduct prepares us but it is in the act of adoption that God becomes to the redeemed a father in the highest sense of the word. Because of the cross of Christ, I am adopted in the family of God. A rebel who deserved judgment is brought in. It's glorious. And, and see, Jesus said this in Matthew 10. He said, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yeah. He says, and, and not one of them can fall to the ground apart from your father, your father. And he says this, but even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many, 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 many sparrows. And, and, not, and not one of them can fall to the ground apart from your Father. Abba, Father. Now listen. You're going to hit speed bumps and potholes this week. You're going to have situations that make you devastated in a fallen world. Life is filled with battles and blessings. Life is filled with hurts. But whenever we hit speed bumps or potholes or the front end is out of line or whatever happens in our lives, whether it's the word cancer or whether it's the child that breaks your heart every week 
or whether it's a spouse that has ignored you for months and months. Whatever. We should always say, I must go to the Father. I must go to Abba Father. I must go to Abba Father. I'm adopted in the family of God by the work of Jesus on the cross. Even the hairs on my head are numbered. Now recently, there was a meteor that flew over Siberia. It happened a few weeks ago. Meteor flew over Siberia, 50 feet in diameter, flashed across the morning sky over Siberia and Russia's Ural Mountains before exploding like a bomb in midair 20 miles above. The shockwave blew out windows and doors and injured 1,200 people in Siberia. What if you've been flying over Calcutta? Pretty amazing. This is just amazing to me. That unexpected blast occurred the very same day that an asteroid 150 feet in diameter, designated DA-14, passed within 17,000 miles of Earth's surface, a hair's breadth away in astronomical terms, and closer than many man-made satellites. NASA estimates that there are 4,700 similarly sized asteroids within 5 million miles of Earth and the impact of any one of them could easily destroy a major city or cause a 60-foot-high tsunami worldwide. That's amazing. I right? said, so, wow. So this, this meteor was, was uh, above, 20 miles above Siberia, and then there was another one that was uh, 17,000 miles above our surface the same day. So just give you my 17,000 miles is the distance from here to Columbia and back. Okay? So, so I, I, and, and then the circle cuts away to an interview with um, a Timothy Spar, who's a professor at the Harvard Smithsonian Center of Astrophysics. And he said this, I sleep at night, and you should too. The odds of an extinction level impact within the next century are vanishingly low, and the odds are thousands to one against even a mid-sized asteroid impacting where we live. So we can go to sleep tonight. Now, let me, let me tell you why I can go to sleep at night. It's not because a very bright astrophysicist from Harvard says, very, very likely it's going to hit on your house, 562, 562 Hobcock Bluff Drive. Just probably won't happen. You know, the reason I go to sleep at night is because Abba Father watches over me. You know? And if Abba Father wants an asteroid to hit my house, I'm ready to go home and be with Jesus. Nothing can happen in my life apart from Abba Father. He's numbered the hairs upon my head. And unlike some of you, there are several there. <laughs> Abba Father. Abba Father. I can't have an aneurysm or a heart attack apart from Abba Father's will in my life. I can sleep. I can sleep. That's the God I serve. Abba Father. That, that's the God who's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. So according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, 
See, the pressure is off. Think about it. The the pressure of self-justification, the pressure of pleasing people. You know, when I'm quiet and think about it, the, 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 the pressure of dealing with regrets and shame is off. In Galatians, Paul says this. He's talking about the gospel of grace. And he says, if I were still a man pleaser, I would not be a servant of Jesus. You think about, think about Paul's background, a Pharisee who had a checklist system, who lived every day with a checklist system to earn the favor of God. That's the way he lived every day, every day, every day. And he came to know Christ and he said, wow, it's grace. It's what Jesus has done for me, not what I can do for God. Jesus bore my sin in his body on the cross. Everything that was to my prophecies in Philippians 3 is now rubbish. Garbage refuge. The pressure is off. There's you go in the presence of the triune God because of the cross. You cry out, Abba, Father. In 2002, there was an Olympics, and there was a young woman named Sarah Hughes, I think it was. Yes, Sarah Hughes, 16 years old. She, she was um, in skating and she wasn't supposed to be one of the winners she was just there to be exposed to the olympics her olympics were going to be four years later and so they had i think three chances to be graded and going into the the third and the final one she was fourth and the top three were supposed to be the top three and and um she skated and she skated the routine off her life Flawless, won the gold medal. Won the gold medal. She had a press conference afterwards, 16 years old. She's just beaten the greatest skaters in the world. They said, what, what happened? She says, well, no, I knew I had no chance for a medal, so I just had a good time. I just had a good time. I was out there to, to just delight in skating. And I thought, the pressure's off. The pressure's off. And then he says this. So, according to the foreknowledge of God, so elect exiles, so number one, according to the foreknowledge of God, number two, in the sanctification of the Spirit. The sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctification means to be made holy in heart and conduct, to become like Christ. It is progressive. It is never done. There's a couple of quotes from a guy named John Owen. I just want to show you them. Just think about this. How live as a called out person, elect exiles, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctification of the Spirit. Oh, there's the meteor in Siberia, okay? All right. This is John Owen, Puritan. Okay. There is nothing in the whole course of our walking before God that we ought to be more careful about than that we grieve not, that we provoke not this good and holy Spirit.
when we get together and we are in our community groups, when we're with friends who know us, we should say to each other, have you grieved the Holy Spirit by, by disobedience? Have you quenched the Holy Spirit by inattention to the Word of God? Have you provoked the Holy Spirit to not empower you as you need to be empowered? How do you leave us called out people by the power of the Holy Spirit? We need the daily empowerment of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit exalts the name of Jesus. He empowers us to live the Christian faith. He opens the Word of God for our understanding and He gives us eyes to see and make application. See, okay? He, he, he exalts the name of Jesus. Jesus gets, gets the glory. He empowers us to live the Christian faith, to honor Him. He opens the Word of God to our understanding and He gives us eyes to see and make application. And I, I ask myself, when's the last time I ask someone, have you grieved the Holy Spirit by disobedience? Have you quenched the Holy Spirit by inattention, disregard to his word? Have you provoked him to withdraw his empowering presence from you? See, our purpose statement is equipping men and women to pursue Christ passionately. See, that's, that's the, to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You live as called out people as you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to impact the cultures of the world. Here's another quote, same book earlier. He who prays not constantly and diligently for the Spirit of God, that he may be made partaker of him for the purposes for which he's promised, is a stranger from Christ and his gospel. I think that's an overstatement, but that's what he says. This, I love this sentence, this we are to attend unto as that whereon our eternal happiness does depend. God, give me your Holy Spirit and power, please. Holy Spirit, exalt the name of Christ. Holy Spirit, empower me to live for the Lord. Holy Spirit, open the Word of God to my understanding and give me eyes to make application to, the, to what you say in my life as you convict me of sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is who we are. See, see, how do you live as a called out person? Elect exiles. Foreknowledge of God the Father. The sanctification of the Holy Spirit. God has called you where you are to glorify him. Let me show you this. Let's get that. Okay. Just this Monday right here at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock, isn't it? I think it's 7. We're going to have a, a live feed. Eric Metaxas is going to speak on the life of, yeah, 7 o'clock, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Free, be here. But let me tell you a little story. This man, this is a great book, by the way. He wrote a really good book on Wilberforce's will. So, 
Anyway. And he used to write VeggieTales scripts, believe it or not. So he's kind of done the gambit. If you, those of you that have young children. So he's, he's a student at Yale, and a man named Charles Colson speaks at Yale. And, and Colson was uh, the hatchet man for Nixon and the Watergate crisis and did some time in prison. Right before he went to prison, he came to faith in Christ. And after he got out of prison, he had an a international ministry to prisoners. Incredible, incredible ministry. He spoke at Yale, and he talked about the evidences for the resurrection and the evidences for the reality of Christ. And he, he, just, he was an incredibly good apologist for the Christian faith. And after it was all over, Metaxas came up to Colson, and he said, with all due respect, this is what you should be doing 24-7. That was incredible. You just slayed everybody here at Yale. He says, a lot of people are going to do prison stuff. You need to be doing this. And Colson stopped him, probably pretty abruptly. And he said this. To me, it's a great sentence. Young man, it is not the need, it's the call. Hear that? It's not the need, it's the call. Now, I just step back when I think about the empowering spirit. The Holy Spirit has empowered you to serve where you are. One thing that always happens in the aftermath of a missions conference is, is some people come away thinking that if I'm not doing international missions to an unreached people group, then I'm on the B team. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God calls many of us to go, but he calls all of us to serve. Your calling is your calling. Be very careful about, I'll just, what I call, this is my term, it's probably a bad term. Gift exaltation. Where, where somebody has a gift given by the Lord or, or a calling, calling exaltation. If you're not where I am, then you don't measure up. Example. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, I wish all men were as I am. Either Paul's wife had passed away or he had never been married. He says, I wish all men were as I am. Therefore, he says, if you are married, you're settling for second best and you're out of fellowship with God and need to renounce marriage and you need to become a monk just like I am. Amen? I've never read that. He didn't say that. That's why I haven't read that. Paul says, I wish all men were as I am. I'm, I don't need to be married. But because each man has this gift and has that gift, if you marry, basically you marry in the Lord. And your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your spouse. And don't withhold sex except for a period of prayer. At least Satan should tempt you. And I won't exegete that. We'll do that some other Sunday. Okay? In other words, he's saying... Don't elevate singleness to an unspiritual high. You have your gift. See, the, 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 it's not the need. That's part of it. It's the call. And see, I believe if, if you get with God and you elevate Christ by the Spirit, you're empowered by the Spirit, you open the Word of God by the Spirit, you make application by the Spirit in your IC, then you will be taught by God. When you do that in conjunction with the body of Christ... Serve him where you are and pray about where you should be going. That, that, that's who we are.
How do you live as called out people? You understand your elect exiles. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. And as you do that, you, you realize and understand that you've been chosen by the foreknowledge of God the Abba Father. By the sanctification, for sanctification, by the Holy Spirit. We belong to Him. And we cry out, come Holy Spirit. And we get rid of anything that weighs us down, brothers and sisters. I want to hear from the Spirit as I study the Word of God. And to, and to do that, I need to be a man who pursues him and gets rid of that which weighs me down. Because the Holy Spirit wants to exalt Jesus and empower me and open the Word of God and give me eyes to see. Let's pray. So, Lord, today we thank you for your Word and for your goodness and mercy. And we thank you that you, Holy Spirit, exalt Jesus in our lives. Lord, let us speak the name of Jesus with reverence. You, Holy Spirit, empower us. You, you open our eyes to understand the Bible, the Word of God, and you give us eyes to see and make application in our own lives. And we thank you. We call out to you, Abba, Father. Lord, may, may, we, may we get rid of that which keeps us from hearing, from receiving the Holy Spirit with power. Lord, forgive, forgive us for so often settling for that which is not your will for us. Forgive us for not pressing hard into the kingdom. Forgive us, Lord, Jesus, as you said, not only for dissipations and drunkenness, but forgive us for allowing the cares of the world to choke the word in our lives. Good things. Good thing, but, but things that become overwhelming concerns. And Lord, as we, as we step back from this text, thank you that nothing is going to happen to us today. No meteor, uh, no issue that does not come through the hands of a crucified Savior. I don't fully understand that. And sometimes I, 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 I cry, I groan, but I believe the Bible teaches that. I thank you that even the hairs of our head are numbered. Thank you for that. And because of that, may we live with freedom and may we say the pressure is off because I live in the presence of Abba Father by the work of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.